to it. So right off the top, dailyroller.com, smoke smokeresponsiblysocial.com. There's social medias for both of those pages, and all of those links will be in the episode description. I'm sitting down with, is it Blake Boyd Madden today? It is, depending on when you knew me in college, Blake Boyd Madden. Madden is my mother's last name. Okay. Uh, she's who raised me as a kid. Boyd is my father's last name, who I have very little contact with as a kid. Um, so this is like uh, one of my first like Gmail accounts. And at that time, I was considering changing my last name to hyphenate it to add my mom's name onto it. And uh, I ultimately decided against that after graduating from college, because then that means you got to update all these documents. For yeah, sure. So. Yeah. No, all 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 of those different hoops. I definitely understand that. Um uh so yeah, well, thank you for joining me today. I just want to remind my audience really quick before we jump into anything. Uh this is the Cole Memo. I'm your host, Cole Preston. Every episode is released in audio, video, and transcript format. You can oh. find the transcript, audio, or video version of any episode in the description of the episode that you're listening to now. Within that description, you can find a link that will take you to our website, which will display the transcript and the platforms where you can find the episode in audio or video formats. If you're unable to locate the episode description on whichever platform you're listening from, I get it. Every platform is different. Simply note the episode number and visit thecolememo.com. From there, you can find the corresponding episode, and then you'll be able to access the audio, video, and transcript versions. You might also find any links that we reference, like the ones I just plugged earlier, uh, so that you might be able to do your own research or connect with awesome people like uh, thedailyroller.com, Smoke uh, Responsibly Social. If you're not Wait. listening to this episode of The Cold Memo on Patreon, then you're listening to this episode later than our patrons. To become a patron, go to thecolememo.com slash Patreon. It's a great way to support our show, but one of the best ways to support our show is absolutely free. Just subscribe to or follow our show. Leave us a positive review from wherever you're listening to us from. Favorite this episode, give it a thumbs up, leave a comment or post a review. Your engagement and support is is what is what helps the most. So today is January 9th, 2024. I want to make sure, okay, I did say that right. Smoke responsibly social. Um, yep. Cool. That is true. That it's a bit of breaking marketing and advertising rules. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, well, where where do we want to start today, Blake? I mean, we can talk about anything and everything. I figured we'd talk about your platforms right off the top because as I was telling you before we went on air, one of the things that I like about like most about what you're doing is that you're bringing the community together. So I'm not trying to volunteer any starting topics, but I just had to say that on air. That's what I like most about what you're doing is that you're you're bringing that community forward that I feel should have came to fruition, but you know things got in the way of that. So here we are. Hey, I would not have an opportunity had things not happened the way they did, and I'm grateful that you see my work um, because before you were aware of me, I was working. You get all things, so you know that is like the irony of like suddenly having market awareness having just like personal awareness in the world. Uh, so thank you for being real with that and offering me to be on your platform. Um, I respect how you do what you do. I told you um, I was very excited before we got online. I was very excited to sit down with you just because of your depth of knowledge as an individual 
um, and what I've seen you do. So I think this will be cool. And honestly, I think starting with the events is good storytelling because, you know, that's close to the end and we can always go back to the beginning later on. And so on the 20th, we do have our next Smoke Responsibly Social uh, in partnership with OK Cannabis. Also, just recently, within like the past 48 hours, I secured free cannabis sponsorships with the 1937 group for pre-rolls for each person that RSVPs, as well as ARES for each person that RSVPs. So that's maybe like two pre-rolls if you show up, socialize, and learn with us. Hell yeah. And this is the flyer, right? You said January 20th? January 20th from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. This flyer here was created before I secured my sponsorships. And I sure. mean, all, we can talk about all these different things when it comes to the business of cannabis, because one thing I am passionate about, too, is just like sharing this. You know, I mean, what's going on? Like other people are trying to make their way in this industry um, and having to go through different things, too. So, yep, that is our flyer right there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, folks. And uh, like he said it's at okay cannabis i've been there before and that is an awesome venue super cool place so it is i'm grateful for them really like seeing the value of the smoke responsibly socials too um mm -hmm. especially as competitive as the illinois marketplace is and just how clickish it can be uh you know what i'm saying it's just like seriously blessing to have run i ran into their organization basically at a pop-up uh, like at a uh, farmer's market here in the city mm -hmm. um and it was just like organic and it's been organic um and i had admired amaya's uh, resume if you will uh, just because I saw Open Society on there and had reached out to him on LinkedIn before, like I had even met him in person and knew he was at OK. It's just like crazy stuff like that, um, that that really helped that happened with the OK partnership. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's a lot that could be said there for sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. So that's that again, that's on January 20th, folks. It just costs $7 to get in. So very, very easy uh, to get in. And uh, Illinois Normal is going to be there, it looks like. Also, maybe Oaksterdam University, which is super cool. Yeah. So with those, we, we can really discuss these things, I suppose, in different lengths. Uh, Oaksterdam University is my educational sponsor. So like early on, they had reached out and was just really like, yo, Daily Roller, you know, we we like what you're doing. Like, we want to work together. Um, so shout out to Sarah, um, who really, I was just thinking her last night, but I'm going to say it on this platform too. Shout out to Sarah there at Oaksterdam, uh, because she gave me the awareness that I was at that level. You get what I'm saying? And Because, I mean, Oaksterdam University is a big deal. Um, yeah. If you don't know about cannabis history in America. So... They're my educational partner, and we launched it last year um, during, you know, the 2023 programming for Smoke Responsibly Social. Uh, the interesting thing was, like, I already had, like, a set strategy and plan for going about that 2023 programming. Uh, so I didn't necessarily then have the space to give them the focus that we're about to give them on the 20th. Uh, because some of the 
cool p things about this partnership is that they do offer free classes. Uh, so, you know, I, a lot of people every year they want to learn more, uh, you know what I'm saying? And this is an easy way to lo learn more. Uh, once you complete the course, you become an alumni. Um, and you also can get discounts. They often have like different sales already going for the courses. A lot of them are like self-paced. They do have some live ones. Um, and just like really going the gamut of the business of cannabis, you know what I mean? So it's a really cool opportunity just for someone that's naturally a nerd because now I got like a library, <laughs> but you know, in terms of just like offering and being a business, you know what I mean? Having value to your customer, having a value proposition, uh, something like this gives everything I say more weight, uh, you know, because I did have a period in time where I was saying all the same things that I'm saying today, but because the infrastructure was not built, people were asking me, but how, but how, but how are you doing that, Blake, when your hat just says not a stoner, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you knew how this hat came to be, you will see like the microcosm because I mean, it's just learning um, process and procedures, standardization systems, consistency, persistence, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, you just stay in the game. And so um, everything just worked out uh, to where, like I said, Sarah saw me through Instagram, through social media. So, I mean, people who might be on the, who listen to your podcast uh, and just real quick, I do, I probably will try to distill my points if they're too tangential uh, but in, in, in this sort of talking point, I would say if you're an entrepreneur, if you're out there starting, if you are like looking at social media as not a thing, I know it's hard, um, but find one that works for you because ultimately that is your medium to just express yourself. And it may not like happen perfect, like in the first four years, if you're really trying to do something that's like outside of you that you never did before. Um, and I promise you that four years is not a joke. It, it could take a lot of years of just like, you know, learning how to do this in a way where other people get what you're actually trying to say. Right. And so, um, you know, with the Oaksterdam University, this course that we're focusing on in January of this month is really cool. I mean, in, on the 20th of this month um, is really cool because it's focused on cannabis, pain, and the opioid crisis. I grew up in the Midwest. You know, unfortunately, I have too many people in my generation who have died to opioids. You know, even before I got out of high school, unfortunately, you get what I'm saying? And doctors were like giving family members all of that. You know, there, there was like a whole pipeline for that tragedy there. Um, and the fact that in parts of the world, it's already known how effective cannabis has been for thousands of years, literally, in addressing a lot of the pharmaceutical um, prescribed um, symptoms that we live with. It's just like really sad that we have pharmaceutical epidemics in my life. I mean, in my mind, you get what I'm saying? Because it's like, um, there's so many ways to consume cannabis and it's not through smoking. You know what I mean? It can be through ointments, man. There's some great, just like pain relief stuff that I've been trying and you know what I mean? As good as Tiger Bomb, you know what I'm saying? And so 
that the fact that the first solution was possibly the most detrimental um, is just really something. So to be able to do this course, what people are guaranteed to get is just a vocabulary, a consistent vocabulary to talk about the opioid crisis, pain and cannabis, um, because now like the industry's vocabulary because it's professional, you know, acronyms, terms. Right. Hell yeah, dude. That's cool as hell. I'm sure that part of it, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure part of it though is like you, you say how it can be helpful for folks that may be trying to get off of that, you know? And so that'll be good. Yeah, or, Cannabis or, is good for that. And, and honestly, even in terms of um, the fascinating thing, if we can just, I mean, I know what you mentioned. So like how I could think of this is like as a mastermind session with Cole, you go, I mean, and I can just be 100 because I don't know like when we'll get the opportunity to touch base again. And this is a great opportunity. So I'll be real with you um, in terms of even just thinking about like target audience, target markets, you know what I'm saying? Like in that summation, like, yeah, great for people who might be trying to get out of it. Um, you know, honestly, even when like we were just in the Chicago normal meeting, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not just people who are, in the struggle of right. like pain who need this knowledge is it's just us as an industry um you know in the mortgage industry they have a uniform mortgage act so everybody talks the same way they look at the mortgage the same way every state adopts the same framework they got the same offices doing the same thing so you can navigate from coast to coast this industry the same way this is literally fragmented, but why? Right. And so, you know, the value proposition is for individuals who really are probably thinking this way, talking this way. Um, but I know just like even with me consuming cannabis as an alternative to Vivance, like people in, in some remarks, like try to make cannabis the same as other things. And then it's just like, yo, like you have no idea. You're basically trying to say like cannabis is the same as me taking Vivance, a methamphetamine, <laughs> you know what I mean, to, to pay attention uh, where that was like manipulated in a lab. And this is just like natural molecules and compounds that like exist. And it just like synergizes with the body, like you get what I'm saying. And and our and our diets are so depleted of nutrition and minerals that are critical for the body to operate like in a peak state. And this is just like injecting exto cannabinoids literally into the body, like you get what I'm saying. So there's a whole thing in this, brother. I promise you. Um, but I really try to appeal to this whole market. Um. Because I see it when I talk to people, bro. You know what I mean? Um, even just like the dif differentiation between hemp and marijuana. You know what I mean? Like some people feel like those are so seriously different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I get a lot of. You know. I, the, I would say that right now that is the most charged topic that I'm covering. <laughs> and it's just like. I thought it would be like a like a hooray, like when people figured out what I figured out about hemp, which is just what you said. There's no real difference. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I 
people, I think the first base that people jump to, there's a few bases people jump to. Uh, they jump to like the idea of synthetic versus like organic, which, I, you know, I think when they talk about that, they're talking about like Delta A and whatever HHC is and these some of these compounds that are created off of C CBD. But then like... So there's the safety part of it that people jump to, right? Uh, or, or sorry, sorry, it's the te the synthetic versus organic. But then there's the safety part. So then there's that's what it seems like. Those are the two concerns people bring up yeah. when they're opposed to it. And then the third concern, and this comes from if you're in the industry, is how it uh, takes away from your market share. Which, you know, I mean, brother, you you just said the same thing in three ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because someone's disseminating the ideology bingo you get what i'm saying mm -hmm. and you know it costs to get a lot of people to think the same thing right yeah and so you know the fact that these things are consistent in both of our experiences you know what i mean before you and i even shared this conversation it says a lot and it honestly, it drives really the smoke responsibly socials because in terms of daily roller, they are slightly different, um, but they are very much like similar. Um, yeah. But when it comes to smoke responsibly social, it really is about the education for me. It really is about this conversation that you and I are having. Because as you mentioned, we went from consumer to industry. And mm -hmm. there's confusion. So who's getting informed here? Right. There's right. a the the thing that I I brought up Amaya in the open society earlier. The reason why that would pick my mind in someone's resume is because the founder of the open society he has this um, theory about how markets never really have complete information and part of the dysfunction is that people are always acting with imperfect information in the market mm. and it's uh the theory of reflexivity yeah. um and so i think that to conceptually like even get that that's what we're talking about right now um in this conversation for a lot of people can seem very abstract it probably it can seem very meta they could probably be like where the hell are these guys but we're on the same wavelength we're right. still talking about the fact that in this industry there is now a learning curve uh we started this right before we hopped on talking about just going from illicit to a regulated market you get what i'm saying like mm -hmm. you're literally like the industry has to completely rebrand and reimagine itself. And boy, do we know that that's really difficult once you get in the trenches. You get what I'm saying? Because like the infrastructure, you know, is basically like taking, you know, steamed um, locomotives off the railroad and just putting like, you know, hyper, it's using the same exact rails. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It, it did not like reset. Uh, so that it, it there's a lot of things that happen in the in the cannabis industry that motivate me to be someone that's out there using my resources, using my voice, using my energy to bring us together to have this conversation. And thankfully, you don't have to listen to me talk. 
but I generally just ask questions at my socials uh, because I bring in um, experts. So, you know, if you, you aren't a fan of my voice or, you know, my logic and the way that I articulate, um, I am mindful in that by bringing in like well-qualified people who can speak like a thousand times deeper on specific things than I can. Um, and it's like generally to your benefit because they're generally personable people. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And before I, I just wrote down this conversation we were having, cause it's really awesome and I have more to say about it, but I don't want to get too deep before we, like I, I break down the distinction. I feel like you broke down what smoke responsibly social is by kind of using a few examples. Um, but feel free to like, tell, tell us what is smoke responsibly social and what is daily roller and like what, you know, why sh you get what I'm asking, right? I wanted to give you the Absolutely. space for that. Definitely. Smoke Responsibly Social is a platform of Daily Roller that provides experiences that promote responsible consumption. And in the process, we're also building a framework. So every time you come to my social and I have a special guest, we ask them to provide their from just their experiences, right? This is a community, like, you know, even the government's made up of everyday people. So we're just asking these individuals, like, what are your recommendations for responsible consumption? And fortunately, these are often like entrepreneurs, um, people who are like scientific, people who just have deep knowledge, people who have passion. Um, so like, they're not just out here just saying mindless things. Um, and so, after the socials, you'll see in my social content on Smoke Responsibly Social, it's generally recaps of what was discussed at those socials. Um, and so that is relevant to us talking about the way that you target markets, um, because generally the structure, again, of the socials is just like finding a topic within cannabis to discuss once a month. Um, we've talked about pharmacology. We've talked about entrepreneurship, responsible cultivation, um, advocacy, um, activism, bud tending, just like retail experiences. Like we've in, in, in last year, we did a lot because we had over 12 socials. Um, and so we were able to collect a lot of, of information um, on the back end. So like if you're like business minded, uh, basically one of the cool things about the social too is that I am building firsthand knowledge as opposed to having to go to JSTOR um, and other platforms, Google Scholar, uh, you know, NIH, you know what I mean, and, and take theirs. In a sense, I hope that I'm adding to the body of work like a lit review, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, if you're into that sort of thinking and doing, um, that is like basically what is happening here. Um, and what's cool is we've had such high quality people who've been on board just in the first year. I could have never really imagined. Um, and it was honestly inspired by uh brian osborne who is the owner of emerald city coffee in uptown chicago uh he and i sat down at the end of uh 2022 because he has been a supportive daily roller um and he's just like hey man catch me up what's happening you know what i mean and in that meeting he's just like man you know 
like a community would just be awesome, man, because everything that you're saying, he he's he's entrepreneurial. He has a family, you know what I mean? But he's also a transplant. He's from Texas, you know, and so just having almost like a double consciousness of consumption when you're from a state where you still can't go back and like do it responsibly. Right. Um, but you, you don't want to feel like a criminal. You don't want to feel like you're irresponsible when you're consuming cannabis and like us, you know what I mean? But unfortunately with how the industry has been created to this point, a lot of us have some sort of social paranoia around cannabis consumption. And so my act of art and, and, and creativeness was putting responsible in the social and the smoking in between it, you know, because it could have just been a smoke social, you know, what I mean, it could have just been about like us just getting high and doing that. Um, but, you know, on a deeper level, what everyone is saying here is like, how can we guarantee the sustainability of this market now that we're in the new phase? And that's by articulating to politicians who through whatever ideological promises and swears they made, they just can't even meet us there. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand politics, baby, uh, because some people may never be on board. But what we got to do is weaken their argument by doing it. And other people will articulate this who've been in this, doing this advocacy work and education work far longer than I they will tell you like it, it is about doing this sort of work of articulating like hey we can consume and be responsible i think you're muted right now brother i can't hear oh you. whoops sorry and showing it time and time again you know that's doing it in person you know what i mean having a having an overt moment you know publicity um having a moment where it's actually going beyond just like social media. And I mean, that's even important to something like Daily Roller, which is really just an idea within of itself that grew into being like something that we can now discuss smoke responsibly social about. And so, um, you know, the fortune in, in all of this is just like the, the synergy. I know I said that before, but the cool thing is that that work relates right back to the purpose of Daily Roller, which is my other work. And I know a lot of times in creativity and business and doing a, just doing this work, you can feel split. You can feel divided. Things can compete with one another um, and it can be a drag. Uh, and one thing one thing that I got deliberate about once, um, you know, I got into my mid 20s was trying to structure a future for myself that would not be so like friction with itself. Um, so like learning base skills that could be transferred to other skills. So I always have like a, a tree of relation that when I, whenever I'm in like that moment of like, why Blake, you, you can like trace back to like a root and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, let, let's keep on going. This all makes sense. You know what I mean? It's worth it. And so um, the smoke responsibly helps me continue to break down the stigma to empower cannabis consumers. Um, and even Daily Roller, again, the term, it was inspired by cannabis. I started the company January 27th of 2014. That is just a few weeks after Colorado Recreational went live. And so I was in Bloomington, Indiana, working in hospitality, watching Fox News in the morning, 
and just seeing how they were on the tour bus riding around the city and just making a joke of like cannabis consumption now as a legitimate market. Right. And the fact that it was now like a legitimate market to me basically said that if this is how everybody is going to continue to look at it, people who don't identify with like being that type of way when they consume cannabis will always feel weird about this. And so I was just inspired to create in that moment um, something that I believed would be a platform that could demonstrate just that, that, yo, like cannabis consumers are way more complex than being a stoner. I'm not saying I have problems with stoners. Like I've been around people who's been consuming for a very long time. I know people can feel very emotional about that. Um, but what I'm saying is that there is more to the cannabis marketplace than just stoners um, and just people who resonate with stoners. And maybe some of our um, headwinds is stoner, which if you get into etymology, which a lot of people like, um, there could just create a lot of friction and un unintentionally because words do have meaning and impact. And for people who are that type of person, they're going to go and be in their mind like, well, the root of this word is that. And like, how can I ever be down with that? You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so we, we got to help reframe these experiences for individuals who may not get it yet. You know, and so um, instead of my company being called Daily Medicated, which it definitely, that was a thought of mine, Weekly Medicated, because I was thinking about the sort of impact. Again, I stopped taking Vyvanse and started using cannabis and I graduated. You get what I'm saying? And so I was thinking in that relational situation. And so because I felt like even regular use of medication could also be stigmatizing. Like, you know, just think about friends who have social anxiety and they always have to use something that is prescribed. At right. some point in time, people are going to be like, are you abusing that? You know what I mean? So to try to lower the overall like um, friction in the long run, I felt like daily roller w just like hit everything. And it wasn't perfect, I promise you, um, because a lot of people, even to this day, they have different schemas that come up when those two words are used together. Um, and when we think about communication, um, it's about sending clear signals. And if someone's spending too much time in the, in the moment rethinking that mental concept, it could just in that moment not all click. But the fortune thing is like we got social media, uh, we've got time, and I'm sorry about my dog. Gus. No, he's, it's okay, dude. He's in the hey, yo, Gus. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Attention. I pa I paused it for us. Uh, I can see though, maybe what you're saying. Are you saying that? Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, uh, daily roller. It's not so on the nose, but it's also it also is accurate, but. I feel like what you were kind of still wrestling with was like, could maybe somebody get the connotation that's like daily roller, like we're rolling, like, you know, type of thing and, and versus no, we're, we're rolling. It's like a ritual. It's like a a sacrament, if you will. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and 
and it's even funny when you say like we're rolling because like if you're into night culture right rolling that's what i was means something so fucking different too right so you know what i mean like that's kind of what i was meaning i was wondering if you were pondering yeah. like if if people you know maybe people could misconstrue it that way you know and some people but. do and you know what i mean and I have to let people know, like I am, I'm an artist too. I've had official, like a solo art exhibition. I've, I've authored a book. Like I got some work out there. Um, I am an author and I do love rhetorical inter interpretation and all that stuff. But sometimes you do got to put the, the constraints on interpretation. Sure. And because like, this is about accomplishing a very specific goal. Um, you know, if you roll and you like my merch, I love you. You yeah, get what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> but if you think that like following me, you're going to see someone promoting that culture, that is not what you're going to get from Daily Rolling. Right. You get what I'm saying? And so that's what, and if, like we're talking about with targeting audiences and with, with Smoke Responsibly Social, it happens in so many ways. Um, and, and I know people who are marketers and even, you, you know, you're a marketer. Um, you understand all these nuances in, mar in marketing, you get what I'm saying? Um, maybe at this time you have realized who overall is like flowing with you in the market space. So like, you know how to speak consistently to that sort of psychographic, but overall, like you're also in the business of expansion. Like you're, you're trying to have an expansive dialogue on your platform too. You get what I mean, which creates that problem of like, how does someone who, like we we're talking about earlier, who's having these conversations or having these thoughts, but maybe doesn't have the right terminology, the right framework yet. Yeah. How can we get them to identify with us? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Without overusing the symbologies that we're trying not to use. Yeah, I think that's, that's where it gets tough where you're like, you got to step back and just explain like really try to teach them, you know? Yeah. Education it's not is about a... making the point. It's about like teaching them what you feel is your perspective, you know? And then hopefully the point is made, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you know, and, and I feel that way, especially in conversation. And I'm happy you said that because like, I, proudly have a nice knowledge base that I've invested in in my life you go I mean so just like simple things like everyday things for me can spark so many metaphors and similes in one moment um, and then when I say like a statement I'll feel compelled to try to further clarify that note because like generalities just like text messages right. you know what I mean Hardly do they get the whole thing in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm aware of that. And, you know, if I really stop and talk to people, you know, I care about the reception of the communication because, like, that's how we grow this thing. That's how we move forward as a people is, like, clear communication as best as we can in the moment. Yeah. Um. Well, very well said. And it's that's that's awesome to hear like kind of how the the difference between the two. And I see I, I really like what you're doing there. And I like that it's like a daily roller was your was your start, but it's almost like smoke responsibly social is like your outreach 
slash like it's almost like I don't want to say insurance because that sounds like you're protecting against something going wrong, but it's like your assurance. How about that? Your assurance to the community that like this is okay. Here's how you do it responsibly. And it's going to be all right. Nothing's going to, as long as, you know, you, you just be responsible about it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like with anything else. I like, like the way you said else. that. I never thought about it in that way, to be honest. I never thought about it in the way of like assurance, but it definitely, because of like the effect, it definitely feels like that. But at the time of, of initiation, I could not foresee that. All I knew was that the, it, it was the message, even if you just heard it was what I was trying to say. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And then once you got to the experience you're giving me the opportunity to further unwrap that statement. And like you said, now it is an assurance because like, fortunately it's quality feedback. It's, it's quality experience. So it's not like a, a bunch of dirty data necessarily. You know, it's not like I just, just, I don't, I don't know what the opposite could have been. Cause I'm still kind of, I'm literally still living in the moment of everything that has happened. And I'm still like, just very grateful for it. Like I was talking about, about on the front end. Um, but yeah, it, it is definitely turned into assurance. And it's very interesting because even it becoming its own platform was not a, it was not my first thing. Um, really, it becoming its own social media as well as its own site was just due to um, operational friction, you know, trying to, literally run ads on Instagram with that terminology from daily roller because they review the ads. So my thought was like, man, well, if I get the handle one, that's some funny fucking shit because you just like rejected my ads for saying this, but you will allow me to produce a handle and then just like put long or short format copy and image right next to that handle. Right. And then you know, and then it became a thing. And then operating from Eventbrite and having the events like close through marketing when a lot of traffic is going there and registering and then people can't register. It just Eventbrite created headwinds, you know what I mean, when I'm trying to run smooth. So then it's like I got a whole whole program already laid out. Like, how do I keep rolling? And, you know, that's another part of the Daily Roller if you're into personal development, if you're into physics, if you're into the everyday step-by-step, -step, you know, starting this by myself, I had to give myself every day something to be anchored in. And when your principles, like you said, your ritual, your daily ritual is, is structured properly, man, you can have a good life. Yeah. And if your daily ritual isn't structured properly, it's okay because our values are progress, independence, and liberty. And so those are things that every day, if you're rolling through life, if you're going through even the maze of just understanding this conversation, if you keep rolling, we'll have a great, a great clarity. We'll have a moment where it all makes sense. But so many people have said before me, when you stop on that journey of knowledge seeking, you're the one who's going to lose. You're the one who's not going to 
get to see yourself in in that state that you saw that you felt you get what i'm saying and mm -hmm. one of the greatest gifts that my whole journey gave to me was realizing self achievement and pride like just having a day where i'm like damn i really did not know how to do any of this shit and look at me now and it wasn't nobody was like going crazy for me nobody was telling me literally to keep doing this it was just like a moment of just like figuring out a puzzle for yourself and knowing that you did it and knowing how you did it you get what i'm saying just super cool stuff and i feel like getting that experience in life gave my life so much purpose that like it, it literally has been able to keep rolling even through the darkest hardest moments and for a lot of people that i've met on this journey who have experienced that same thing that's like a breakthrough in life you get what i'm saying <laughs> like no one's validating you except for yourself you are self-assuring you know that's pretty cool yeah hell yeah dude i i love I could hear the excitement in your voice in that. And I have to agree, you know, um, you know, once you find something like that and I don't know for a fact that I've found something like that, but I do enjoy doing this show and being able to talk to cool people like you. And so like, I I've been so excited to speak with you today and speak with, you know, all the different people that I get the opportunity to speak to. And like you say, um, it's funny because you were saying earlier that that I'm good with marketing and stuff, and I thank you for saying that because I don't I don't think that I necessarily am. You were talking about how I speak and stuff like that. I appreciate that. That meant a lot to me. Um, maybe this is just me being self critical. Um, you know, we're we're our own biggest critic. Um, but to your point, to, to what I'm trying to say is I do things that maybe don't always resonate with my audience, like as I was telling you before we went on air, the hemp thing, like I don't think people necessarily are on the same page with me about that, but just like setting drug policy aside, like I just released an entire series on legal sex work. And I had a few people like specifically let me know that they unfollowed me for that because, and so that's okay. Uh, but I guess what I'm saying is to your point, even with that, it is unfortunate that you lose people along the way. Even with that though, even with all the the critic critiques and whatever I might get, this what I get out of this keeps me going. Like you say, so even if those dark moments come up, even if you have some disagreements or departures or whatever else, it's like the, this. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So it's uh, like I said, I didn't mean to make that so much about myself. I really want to just uh, bring us back to. I could hear the excitement in your voice when you talk about what this has given you, what daily yeah, roller and smoke response, smoke responsibly social has given you. So. Well, I'm happy that our hearts connected in that moment, bro, because that's what it's really about for all of us who are doing it. And it, it really doesn't matter the level because I mean, actually trying in life is, is challenging and the way right. that the world is getting, even not trying is challenging. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So if, uh, if you are in a state of living by your heart and living by like what is happening around you, I think that what that whole moment that we just had of just like recognizing today or as soon as possible, a sense of self achievement, self pride, do things that 
without other people's feedback or grade, you can say, man, I'm just happy I did that. It gives me a, a, a energy to keep doing in the right way because, you know, there's a lot of things that when we do it, it could not give us that same type of feedback. And I think yeah. that's something important to be tuned into always in life. You know what I'm saying? Because even our, even our current ventures that could be giving us that achievement, depending on the doors we open, the turns we take, you know, things could change. And so I do believe in being awake. Uh, I believe in being aware, you know what I mean? And I even approach my business from a scientific thought um, in that, you know, there's a hypothesis and we're trying to falsify it. You know what I mean? Does it, does it make sense? Is this a feasible um, approach? And, you know, at any moment, if, if, I'm being clear, I'll see the right thing. But if I am too convoluted, if I'm too caught up in other people's ideas, my own idea of what this was going to look like, as opposed to reality, you know, we could never be having this conversation potentially. Well said. Very well said. And, and yeah, that, that's just it. It's, it's, like you say, it can be easy to do nothing, but it is, it's also very easy to just quit. You know what I mean? So you got to stick with it. It is. You got to yeah. keep, you got to keep rolling. Cause I mean, it, the irony of success is success begets more challenges. So you really got to be built for the life. And that's part of the hypothesis theory too, right? Like you might think you want to be an entrepreneur. You might think you want to be out here you know what I mean? Even business, you might think you want to buy a business that's cash flowing already. You know what I mean? Because you got it. You know what I mean? You you don't know until you're in it. You know what I mean? And even if you've seen other people do it, you'll never know what these things are like until you personally have experienced them. And that does not mean that you can't find relatability to it. It just means that get in as much as you can get, get close to life as close as you can to life and find out, you know what I mean? What is really for you and don't just fall for, I, I came up with this. I, I didn't come up with this. I came across this um, like uh, idea a few years back about like, are you like your role or are you like your soul? Are you the role that you've been given in life? Are you the role that you think you're supposed to be living in life? Or is literally your life just a collection of a role? You know what I'm saying? Versus your life being a reflection of the soul that you have and the refinement that it's gone through, you know? And and, and that can go off in so many ways, man. But I yeah. think that's relevant to what we're talking about right now um, because we're talking about entrepreneurship. We're talking about community. Uh, we're talking about purpose, marketing, all these things, because even in marketing, you're trying to figure what is a person doing, you know. So this these things might just seem um, light, but I think we can expand upon them um, to different directions, uh, fortunately, because like you have the sort of bandwidth with to to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is uh, this has been super awesome. And I got to ask you, you know to people that are sitting there wondering right now, I feel like this is a good thing to talk about and you kind of touched on it. Um, but I wanted to give you more space uh, just in case this is helpful for our listeners, you know, and maybe we'll lift somebody else up to the place that you and I feel we are. Right. 
Um, if you had to give anybody advice on how to get started, whether it's doing what you do or I don't know, just kind of getting involved, what do you, what would you tell them? And I know that's a very vague question, but just, do you have advice for people? I would say to, to get, if you want to get into the industry or you want to get into any, any act, you know, the thing is to do it, you know, is to, um, to listen, you know what I'm saying? And, And this is if you don't have people pushing you. Um, if you're if you have inclinations, if you have curiosity, you know what I'm saying, and it's not something that goes away um, every day, you know what I mean. If if it's something where like your quality of life becomes affected by you being stagnant, like jump off the bridge into your future self, like and and I don't mean to say that in the wrong way. What I want to say is like take a leap of faith. That's literally what I want to say is take a leap of faith on yourself because in all honesty, other people aren't going to do it to the degree that you want them to until they see that you're willing to do that for yourself too. And so, you know, what we don't want to necessarily do, at least the sort of upbringing I have is expect more from the world than you're willing to give it. Um, And that's even like a principle of how I operate as an entrepreneur you know, I, I the reason why I'm so hands on and I've learned so much and I have like a liberal education is because um, I come from a working class family. You know, what I mean, where like ultimately, if you understand like the history of capitalism and productivity and industry, you know, there's just like systems of subordinate versus superior um, and just outcomes that are aligned with that. And sometimes people even have ideologies around this whole role again of like whatever their occupational positions are and so you know being that I'm coming up out the mud from grassroots it's like hey I want to at least get an understanding of what I'm asking people to do for me if I have to ask people to do it for me and that has been a wonderful journey with and of itself and um I say that to say in relation to the question that you asked, like, what do you do? Like, that is a message. You know what I mean? When I started uh, dailyroller.com, when I started Daily Roller, um, I did not have family members who could teach me um, how to do an e-commerce business, but I did get to college and I did have the mind to change my pursuits to like align with what I realized I wanted in life. I did not keep going with what I thought I wanted once I realized what I wanted. And so I was comfortable with that, even though that presented me with a lot of new uncertainty, um, new situations, you know what I'm saying? Um, But I think that was a key factor that I would tell any person to do is like, once you know what you want to do, you know, align your life to that and, um, you know, be willing to read, be willing to humble yourself to the point of ego death, literally to get whatever lesson you need in life to be the person you want to be. Well said. Yeah. And that's the one thing that has to go. And 
it sometimes it even can creep back. So you mm -hmm. got to be careful. You got to like, but that ego, right? Like you got to let the ego go. And again, it can creep back. It'll sneak up on you and you'll be like, whoa, hey, I thought I dealt with you. You know, Absolutely. it's like, you got to put it back down. But uh, yeah, that's a huge thing for me. I feel like a big thing that you, that I felt you said was something. Sometimes people just, like you said, you just kind of got to do it. And sometimes people get afraid and, I know everybody's watching it right now. Everybody's watching it. But one of the biggest quotes that stuck with me from the Cat Williams interview on Club Shay Shay was, there are certain human beings that understand that being afraid in no way stops you from doing what you got to do. Exactly. I, I love that. Like every, he said, every, the to complete the whole thing, uh, quote, he said, I wasn't afraid. There's no such thing as a human being that's not afraid. There are just certain human beings that understand that being afraid in no way stops you from doing what you got to do. And I agree a thousand percent with him because fear is is something that is working on all of us in some area of our life. And, you know, part of even this journey of Daily Roller, if, if you go back to the dailyroller.wordpress you'll see that I wrote a blog that literally spoke to that, like in the early days of Daily Roller. And that's where this leap of faith come from. These are not baseless statements that I'm giving you. Uh, you know, this is a man who has has gone through literally the 27th of this month will be 10 years of me building this thing from zero to now. Like we started this podcast with Smoke Responsibly Social being at OK. And that's going to be my third social in partnership with OK, and I'm partnering with 1937 Group, and I'm partnering with the Rees to give y'all free cannabis. Think I about mean, it. Free weed. Think about it. <laughs> free can. That's that's a hell of a journey, and it's still going. You know what I mean? But it and, did. I'm listening. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say to the point of if you mentioned earlier, we were giving advice on how to get involved in the industry. Sometimes you just got to show up at events like that and then you can talk to somebody from 1937 group or anybody else. And then boom, you know, people. exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, and, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, that's a great thing to add. And, you know, I'm, I, I hope you feel like this was a conversation. I know I've been long winded. I don't know oh, how to do these things yet. No, so I just have. I've tried to get better about that with zoom is it's hard to, you know, tell when, when it's like good to interject and stuff, you know what I mean? Sure. So. And yes. And so to go with what you're saying, honestly, all of these cannabis, like the cannabis community to be a community will have to look like one, you know, like people will, will need to show up and people do that already. I'm not going to say that's not happening. Um, and, and there are people who've been doing cannabis events longer than I have, you know what I mean, who have, who are still doing events because they have community around them. Um, there's organizations um, like Illinois Normal. Yeah, I don't even know like how much time we have on this thing because I didn't even bring up Illinois Bro. Normal. And, and you know, I started talking about Oaksterdam University and how much that meant to me um, in my journey. Uh, but the Illinois Normal is another thing too because at this point, I am Illinois normal at my events until we are through this transitioning phase as an organization with the board situation. And so I just have a order to continue to operate as things were 
uh, which was just supporting our community um, initiatives, um, understanding what the organizational uh, objectives are for Illinois Normal, uh, which is the legacy to legal brand, uh, which is education of the community, uh, which is becoming a 501c3, uh, which requires funding, uh, which requires engagement from the community. You know, there's a lot of things that we're working on um, on the Illinois normal side. So when you come to my socials, you will notice that I have a plaque on my daily roller table uh, generally. Um, if we have a representative from Illinois normal coming out that is beside myself, um, in the past, we've had Craig Cecil. That's actually how I met Craig Cecil is through my work with Illinois Normal. Um, then Illinois Normal will have its own table. Um, this has been like a new thing for me operating in this capacity, um, especially with some of the responsibilities that I have, um, you know, paralleling my own organization. Uh, so just like in terms of workload, um, and things like that, but it's really awesome because going back to my earlier discussion on synergies and trying to create a life where everything aligns, the great thing is that Illinois Normal literally reiterates my same messaging. And so, you know, that is also, even in my own work, a testament of just like who I am, because some people may have problems with having partners just in generally in business, being aligned with people just in generally in business, always feel like they got to be building something new, always, you know, always be competing with what is there. And honestly, I think that is to our detriment, especially in the cannabis industry, um, based off of what we talked about on the front end, um, all of these misconceptions, especially between hemp and marijuana, if you believe in the right to bear arms and you do not understand the Farm Act of 2018, I'm going to need you to pull them both up and say, how do you understand your right to bear arms? Because it is very clearly stated for all to see the definition legally. Not naturally, legally. For hemp versus marijuana and as economic commodities that is what matters as an economic commodity it can be classified it can be moved it can be stopped it can be taxed if there's no legal definition then you know there's no way to regulate typically you get what i'm saying but the detriment of getting caught in all of these things on I would say unholy because like, if you want to be out here claiming rights, like you got to understand rights and not show up to this sort of conversation, uh, just missing the point because ultimately um, marijuana just has more Delta nine in it, in the cannabis plant than the hemp plant does. Um, and the stock themselves of each plant, can still be utilized as fiber and textile. Yeah. The way I like to put it is like the plants that I'm growing behind myself right now, you guys can't see it because of my virtual background, but they are hemp right now 
because like you say, the definition is a certain level of Delta nine, but there will be a point where it becomes marijuana, right? Exactly. Legally. And by the way, folks, somebody like some people, and I get it, uh, cause I would probably generally speaking, Blake, we would probably use the word cannabis. We're using legal terms right now and legally the so scientifically the plant is called cannabis but legally we've got two definitions now we've got hemp, yes which is under yes. 0.3 thc and then we've got marijuana which is above 0.3 thc yes otherwise i mean they're they're arbitrary definitions i think that's arbitrary a, yeah i like 100%. i like to break it down that way because i feel like just it, like race i mean it's literally literally now there's just race of plants that, yeah. and, and that's a fundamental operation of bureaucracy and administration and if you go and just break down classification taxonomy like that's all that's happening and just look again when when we don't fully understand that I, i'm sorry i didn't articulate this point like we can understand these things especially in the 21st century because our access to knowledge and ai and all this stuff that can just like explain things clearly to us is now accessible um but in the past that wasn't always true but that didn't keep people from talking about these things like they were absolutes. And we alluded to this on the front end and we kind of framed it with illicit markets going to um, regulated markets and free markets. But a lot of this is just like metaphor. We're, we're talking about just life and we're talking about inputs, outputs, flows and, you know, stacks you know, commodities, like all these things that can be really simplified, but unfortunately, like language can seem so um, confusing sometimes, or even I I can seem so confusing sometimes. Um, but when we talk in our everyday um, with these terminologies and we don't know the etymology, we don't know, you know, the root, we don't even know the legal definition versus scientific versus Webster Dictionary, you get what I'm saying? But we're out here fighting each other. We're mm -hmm. out here investing ourselves into fights that are just solely based on you seeing that word. Right. Because clearly it's not based off of your understanding of the word <laughs> or else you wouldn't have a position that, that would be causing further problems in the industry. Um, when, if we, if we're educating um, the market and the market is basically the same. Like we're dealing with the same plant that's been here for thousands of years. Like uh, cannabis is kind of like insurance, you know, funny enough, uh, two things that make them similar is insurance hasn't really changed in the last 400 years um, since it was created. And cannabis hasn't until, you know, these legal definitions were created and profit opportunities were injected into it literally you know, the cannabis plant was the same. And so even when we get lost in this maraise of synthetic versus natural, the reason why that exists is because savvy people understand the law. Mm -hmm. They understand what is and is not marijuana. And so they go to their lab literally and even, you know, money makers, that's what, what big money makers do, arbitrage. They, they find the edge, you know what I mean? Com competition. You find the edge of existence, you know what I mean? And you work there if you want to be innovative, if you want to be on the cutting edge, if you want to be in the future, you get what I'm saying? Now, we don't always have natural edges, right? You know what I mean? Like, 
a natural edge would be agriculture, um, you know, in, you know, early 1800s, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so much that we could get out of the moment and the time and the knowledge from every piece of land that for some people, um, the natural solution was to take other land. And then that yeah. taking of other land started to create unnatural edges in life. You get what I'm saying? Because now we actually kind of live in that trouble. We live in the trouble of over-legalization and not enough understanding because we're all legally controlled today. You know what I'm saying? Um, even just joining an app, we got to sign a contract. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? We can't, we can't do much in this day and age without having some sort of contract which I'm not knocking all contracts because the social contract is the root of democracy. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. so, you know, there's, there's a required learning. There is required education. Um, it can be intimidating. Honestly, some of us could have been discouraged from traditional education for continuous education. And I understand that I dropped out of college for a year and a half, you know what I'm saying? And I did not know if I was going to go back, but it was me wanting my education to prove itself to me. You know what I'm saying? Which got me that moment of self achievement and pride, knowing that I used what I had gotten in life to do something when I knew nothing. And the funny analogy I wanted to say earlier about this, um, the hip and marijuana thing that might uh, resonate is Plato's cave. Never heard of it. The shadows. Is it Plato? Is it Aristotle? Plato's cave. I've just never heard of what you're talking about. So you're gonna have to. I've got to imagine that I can't be the only one. Okay. In short, this is me googling. I know we care about these citations these days. No, it's okay. And, and actually, while you Google that, I'm gonna step away to use the restroom really quick. I drink a lot okay. of water, so I'm super hydrated. <laughs> yeah, so. I hope I'm not looking dehydrated on here, man. No, no. Uh, but we'll be right back, folks. Hell yeah. <laughs> Spark it up, Plato. folks. So we're back Spark with, Pla it is it Plato's Cave or Plato's Cove? What is it? Yeah, it's the Allegory of the Cave by Plato. Okay. And a, a short summation from Wikipedia is Plato's Allegory of the Cave is in is presented by the Greek philosopher, blah, 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 uh, to compare the effect of education and the lack of it on our nature. It is written as a dialogue between Plato's brother and his mentor, Socrates. And basically, they're literally inside of this cave looking at the shadows. Yeah, there you go. Because this is this is something that you learn when you study political science. I have a background in social science and political science. So this is one of the things that we have to dissect in our courses, um, just trying to understand the world that we live in, because people can truly be oriented like this. When people say cognitive biases, when they say self-preservation, all these terminologies, uh, the these sort of things is, is what we're, we allude to. Um, so basically, they're literally trying to define the world just based off of shadows in the cave, you know, and what a thing to be doing 
Um, and that's why I brought this up in relationship to um, this whole discussion on hemp and marijuana, because it's like, if you read it and you really understand it, it empowers you in ways. And I know it brings up concerns about safety and, um, you know, the synthetic versus real. But I mean, these are kind of natural effects of living in a world that's rooted in laws um, and rites and rituals, mannerism, etiquette, you know, formalities, informalities to keep moving forward. Um, so, you know, being English speaking, one of our biggest like challenges is like our words mean so much and there's literally so many words. And so many words can mean the same thing or sound the same way. So then, you know, there's just so many opportunities to not fully understand. And we were talking about ego death earlier. You know, it, one of the detriments of most politicians is like they're so empowered to an extent. You get what I'm saying? The humility leaves after a while because there's so much immunity. You get what I'm saying? And this is why debates about like terms and all these constraints around legislation and governance exist because like at the end of the day, power will get you closer to your ego than it will to the people unless your ego is properly weighted in the connection between all of us, humanity. You know what I'm saying? And so just start where you can in this process. Like if you're listening to this, I know you gotta be smart. You're rocking with Cole. Um, if you're seeing this um, and you know, you're inspired, honestly, the best thing any of us can do is start with what we got. And I don't mean that lighthearted. I'm a person who started thinking I had nothing. Honestly, I thought I had nothing. I, I, I'm, my dog is barking. It. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, it, but it, it's like uh, people say like paradigm shifts. People say mental shifts. You know what I mean? Like really your life is a map. It's just like opening that right mental door to where you can see what you can do with your resources. And then you just like keep doing that. You know what I mean? We were talking about like media, social media, uh, marketing, just getting in the industry. You're going to be best at what resonates with you. And people are going to see that. And I mean, that doesn't mean that you do what's easy. That means even the challenges that you take on, knowing the right challenges for you, knowing your limits. That's a, that's a good thing to live by, especially if we're talking about humility and, and ego. Um, so ultimately, to connect it back to the allegory, because we live in a political world, because we live in a world that's literally like what is controlling our access to this to this cannabis on a international level is all the things that we're talking about. This is the conversation. You know what I mean? What police officer, what what politician is trying to define the, the industry from its cave? Which which consumer, which of us is trying to define the industry from our own cave? You know what I mean? And who has the best cave? Who's got the best shadows? Right. Best artists. And am I wrong best in saying in part of this, in this part of the allegory is the people stepping out into light and what is actually. Yes. yes. That's that's the final phase. And then you get the awareness, but that presents new challenges. Right. Right. Because now you probably will still in a way see the world as a cave, but now it's going to be the inverse, like a black hole, right? 
it's like you when you see everything as being one and then you see it as being quantum wave versus particle you know what i'm saying and then now you got to just deal with the learning curve but it doesn't mean you can't get these things right yeah one of the explanations i saw recently just since we talk we're talking about hemp and that whole thing i asked somebody on just like a community online like what why do people seem so upset about this like that's the one thing that i just don't understand why are they so upset about it and i thought they had a decent explanation they said i agree with they said i honestly think a lot of the aggression comes from either pride or greed if more mm. people realized they didn't need to pay crazy taxes on top of prices for empty flour uh, the Illinois industry would take a massive hit. Pride, I feel, comes and because no one likes to think they got fooled, whether in a good way or a bad way, regardless of what fooled them. I know I can relate because when I originally found out about hemp, I was like, how have I been so dumb? And I relate to that thought wholeheartedly because I was like, what is the difference? I just was dancing around it for so long, like when the CBD thing became a, a big thing, you know, and it wasn't until THCA learning about that, that I really took a deep dive and, and tried to learn more about hemp. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting way of breaking it down. Maybe there's more nuance to it, but. Um, I appreciate the nuance because, because the nuance is, is really where the person is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, real life is a paradox. And so like, if we haven't arrived upon a paradox, sometimes it's just an indication we haven't really thought it through yet. You know what I'm saying? And the nuance is that. And they're, they're right from a observational point, I would say, in that, you know, again, these are just simple things that any of us can objectively look at and, and just witness. You get what I'm saying? When we invest ourselves in denying, basically being <laughs> denying of, of whatever is being presented, uh, whatever artifact, that is something very personal that is clearly going on. And we've been, um, we even started talking about that last point about the uh, profit motive, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I realized like we're talking specifically about the Illinois market here. Um, and so uh, the profit mar mar motive is relevant to conversation. We literally started having on like the misinformation itself. Like, why is it even there? Like, who is the source of the misinformation? You get what I'm saying? And often, oftentimes, again, like in markets, information asymmetry benefits the market maker. So who's the real market maker for cannabis in the world? Hmm. <laughs> who's real? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I will say, I will say to your point, it's interesting that you say that. I don't know if you know we don't have to get into the details, but as far as I can tell, yeah, the, the, I mean, that you could argue this on both sides of it, that there's obviously That's money it. on both sides of hemp and on cannabis, but definitely with the story that was pushed that started this whole debate, like I have, I feel like I have pretty clear evidence that that, that was definitely like the reason that's the story that everybody always refers to is like, you know, like a media decision that a certain PR company is pushing for. I'm not going to name any names because, you know, um, but can you share the story with me? Because I, I didn't know there was a story out here that sure. necessarily broke how about, this thing open. How about, yeah, we'll just play a satirical video that, that I made that uh, I've not released just yet because I 
like I want to reintroduce cannabis industry billionaire, which is a satirical reel I made quite a while ago. I want to reintroduce it on more of a unifying note. And again, for some reason, this hemp thing, um, it's just, it, there's a lot of, uh, contentious, there's just a divide in the cannabis community about it. And so I, I don't want to reintroduce. I also want to get new footage. So it was cool. I was able to repurpose this footage to make this point. Um, but really quick before I get into this, I made this point on a recent podcast and uh, I just want to make it again, just in case it's like not clear enough. Like, I don't mean to, to get into any topic to debate or or to like get upset or anything. Really, like the root of what drives me is enabling all of you to get access to cheaper, more quality weed. And that's that's key. Cheaper and better. I want that yeah. for you. And and that's why I push for all of these things. <laughs> Be able to go you get three dollar coffee, get three dollar joints, and you know that shit is great. Yes. You know what I mean? Without issue. So I just I want to say that really quick because like it, sometimes I feel like people are like wondering if I'm pushing for a certain reason. The reason is I want weed to be cheaper and better for all of us. That's always the reason. And I and I believe that home grow and the hemp market, um, all of these things, if if regulated properly, whatever that means, you know, we can get into that, too. I'd love to talk about testing because that's used as like a backstop on cannabis um, and I, I think it could be improved. But anyways, I want to answer your question by showing you a satirical video I made. And there are real de details in this video. And, and it's uh, the story that I'm referring to that I feel is clearly being pushed. And I have some documentation to kind of back that up. But here's the video. It's uh, exclusive for you on this podcast. I'm a cannabis industry billionaire. And you know what? I'm pretty fucking pissed off about these hemp operators. You see... I've established a firm regulatory foothold within several nascent cannabis markets across these United States. And these motherfuckers think they can just come in and sell weed too? I'm sorry, but that's not how pay to play works. I'm focused on one thing and one thing only. Cash money, bitch. We poured at least 600K into lobbying in one state alone in order to ensure we would have no competition. And then progressives like Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell want to come in and pull the rug out from under us? We're working alongside organizations like Smart Approaches to Marijuana and the Drug Enforcement <laughs> Administration to close what we're calling a loophole, what some are calling an opportunity. Here's the thing. We believe in limited opportunity. In case you haven't figured it out yet, the limitations are what bring in the cash money, bitch. <laughs> the best part of all of this? We have the community's full support on waging this new offensive. We've learned that if we push stories in the media, the community will do the legwork and secure our market for us. We've successfully framed an opportunity as an attack on social equity. Thank you for helping to increase the size of my regulatory moat. Don't let the gators get you. Check out my work at D. Coleman. <laughs> Bro, so you are amazing, man. You got a great mind, brother. That is That is a good way to and get the conversation going because I mean smart's definitely not a joke um in the United States and um the limitations that's you know we were talking about free markets with the legacy market versus a regulated market and how that creates constraints that are new so 
that that's all very on par. Um, and, you know, really, I think you can understand the cannabis problem well when you see the regulatory influence, because that's all it is. You know, going back to um, any way that we're really shaping the our perception of the world, um, generally that process that you just laid out in the video is what happens to a T. Uh, there's a book by Edward Bernays. Uh, he is... Uh, the to some the grandfather of propaganda uh, or the other father of um, propaganda and there's very clear principles on how this is just communication like people go get communication degrees every day across the world you know what i'm saying like how do you do this at like different levels some people just want their friends to understand them or to agree with them you get what i'm saying uh, but some people want everybody to agree with them. Mm -hmm. And this does align with our ego death situation because we all have valid points. Like anything taken to a far, especially something powerful. Uh, Oppenheimer was just like in the theaters, like definition of, of superpowers. They can do mass good and mass bad. So anytime anything lives in that range, you know what I mean? Everybody's going to have a valid perspective because somebody probably has had an experience with all of it. And so, you know, what we want is, is realities that are more reflective of our shared experiences versus a certain few people's um, projection of what they want experiences to be. Um, because there is the need for predictability in social constructs and so i mean do what you will with that but that's a reality and uh, we were talking about laws and i and literally the laws create predictability for us and it, the thing that i was thinking about before we went into that was like i would be interested in seeing the thca levels to uh delta nine levels for real for real like pre 2018 like for just like a, a mass sample because even when we think in this conversation sometimes it's like we could have just been smoking THCA the whole time you know what I'm saying right. and then because like there was no real testing you know what I mean there was real just like distribution you get what I'm saying mm -hmm. and so like our reality prior to this was just our intuition and trust of our source you get what i'm saying because we didn't go home and put it in a home tester yeah which would be great and so you know i think sometimes when i think about the thca delta nine conversation and you know just being somewhat offended by how through the laws profiteering was able to be facilitated almost with ignorance and it because like cannabis has been grown for the government for so long i just have a very hard time being in a position of assuming our government is ignorant like they're very smart people in the united states of america like period point blank man like our our thoughts like get get distributed to us like you just pointed out you get what i'm saying 
So it's like the state that we live in where we are so confused about what is and what is not seems so troubling to me on a level of just how did we get so far? Yeah. And know so little. Um, but to, to say it in short, you know, I think the THCA is very um, problematic for the government in the sense that um, it was the primary distributor of license, period, point blank, for cannabis cultivation. And that through the opening up of this, like every day, more and more people get a piece of the pie. Um, now, the best thing that you could do to keep growth is instill fear in people. I mean, that's that's literally a tactic as basic as one. Like, you know what I mean? Someone don't want you to come to their house like they make you scared or something. You know what I mean? So, like, fear itself, as long as it exists, it can always limit growth. So we can't be over, over, um, overlooking that some actors could be trying to make us deliberately fearful of things that they know could benefit us when it comes to cannabis, even if it is the synthetics. Cause I'm not going to say just because you found a new way to like, you know, create consumption of this plant for someone that it's not, it's, it's inherently not safe. Right. You get what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And that's a conversation that, I love that conversation because that can get pretty deep. But, you know, like I spoke to the person that, for example, made spice and people generally will say hey, spice is bad, you know, but like, <laughs> yeah, anything bad. in enormous unmeasured doses is bad. But exactly. If, but maybe if you use it properly, like this is the thing. It was it was a cannabinoid. It was synthetic. And yeah, if people are, again, consuming it in enormous unmeasured doses, not knowing what they're doing, which is what I did the first time I ever consumed it. Um, probably me too. You get Never a bad, did it again. bad <laughs> experience, right? And I mean, of course you would, but does that mean it should be illegal? No, you know, so um, because we just need to get off the page of like trying to criminalize molecules. Uh, but to your point about fear, I, I thought this was really interesting because like you say, uh, it's almost like fear now because I've seen a few like uh, stores get arrested for selling this THCA flower. Maybe what they were saying was and maybe wasn't. Um, somebody commented. His name was Richard Rose on uh, LinkedIn. I don't know who this person is. This comment just kind of was interesting to me. Um, if you're scratching your head over how people get away with legally selling, quote, hemp Delta 9 THC and hemp THCA weed end quote just remember that tesla uber and airbnb all had business models that were illegal at the time and in many jurisdictions still today nevertheless they became industry titans technically well so they get into something about food or whatever but um that i thought that was an interesting point it is the i don't know about i don't know any truth about it but, you know. No, that's that's real deal. And that's something that I operate with a consciousness of, because ultimately what I do in advocacy and, you know, I mean, in all honesty, when, you know, people show up to my social and they consume cannabis like federally, 
again, if we live in legal existence, you know what I'm saying? Like that is a federal illegal act in the United right. States of America. And I'm not a dummy and I'm not going to try to be disputing whether or not that is reality. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to deal with reality, that's how I got to see it. And so from there, in relationship to the that comment that you um, made about um, people selling the THCA and mm -hmm. um, getting away with it. Earlier, we were talking about operating at the edge and understanding the law. Right. That That is literally what it is. Like when you hear innovation, even corporately, just look at, Look at most financial statements from Goldman Sachs, uh, Bank of America, um, your favorite company to invest in. How many fines are they paying to the government for natural operations? This might be a hard thing, but this is an ethics class now. There is a part of ethics that completely just weighs the cost of doing what you want and if you can afford the fine and ultimately still come out good even if it's against the law because right. if you go back to the marijuana tax act it was just it was fines and taxes with some penalties if you did not properly document and hold records and all that stuff Unfortunately, it got hijacked and it turned into the Controlled Substance Act and the Boggs Act and Three Strikes. Like it just got exploited because of ultimately all the things we're talking about, reefer madness, propaganda, the menace, marijuana menace, like just smart type activities. I don't mean to use smart, no pun intended, but think how smart that is and think about all your friends that you would probably call smart. Like think to the level of architecture in society when you're dealing with like intentional acts and institutions that exist with a purpose, with an agenda, with a mission. You know what I mean? Like those can't just be words. They have to have weight. They have to have root. And, you know, I feel like your base gets this, but there is a part of the, the public. And that's why literacy is important. That's why continued education is important because some of us might have been discouraged from this conversation from our environments. You know what I mean? But like when we look around the world, who's not complaining about, oh, we need to talk more. We need to be connected more. We need to be, but we're on social media all day, just not really engaging with one another. Yeah. The degrees of separation are so small, man. I now I can't I grew up on the east side of Indianapolis and now I can message billionaires. I didn't met them. Right. In one lifetime. Whereas I had relatives in the past, like their whole life was a struggle to just stand up straight, to think clear. And it all goes back to the same sort of mannerisms that society operates within. You know, I'd be cliche to bring up the matrix, but that is literally like we live in a matrix. We live in a mesh. You yeah, get what yeah. I'm saying? And our levels of engaging the mesh 
give back feedback. You get what I'm saying? It, it's it's like pre-programmed, but it's also machine learning literally now because it's an industry. You know what I mean? So someone then, then created that as a definite thing so people can say, well, what is not machine learning? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then it's like, ah. But that is how this world operates. Um, you know, there's the thoughts of creative destruction, which if you think about pain and suffering that we go through um, as individuals, um, living in capitalistic society, like, I think that explains a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? And that's not like people around the world are asking, well, is creative destruction real? I mean, some person might be on Huffington Post to, post, post to just have like an article today, but like when people just look at the world objectively, they call things what they are. Oh, that's creative destruction. Something is coming from the, the the destruction of the pain or fire, you know, and now the ashes, now things grow. And so if we're not willing to accept that that's a natural condition, like how do we ever become empowered in this system? Because it's, that's never going to go away unless we are the person that makes it go away because that is part of this too. Like, remember, like the legal definition, by all honesty, if we wanted to, we can make that 42%. Do we want it to be? Is that the fight? Because honestly, it's already there. Right. It's, it's already on the book. And that's the real thing. It's already on the book. So you can define hemp as whatever you want it to be. And now we didn't already got a roadmap of whatever we want to because it's there. But if we can't really see that hemp and marijuana are the same thing, we could keep on trying to fight. And then before we know it, format gets repealed. Nothing ever happens. And some smart ass person, probably the same person who's operating smart, is like, I gave these motherfuckers the opportunity. Because that's how this world works. Sometimes to get something through, you actually have to be. A, and that's why I brought up earlier with politics. Like if. You're not, and you don't have to be well-versed in politics. It's just that, like, if you wake up every day, like, with something on your heart, on your back, you're literally upset with people around you because of the way the world is. I feel like this is knowledge for you to get comfortable with because, like, this is what you're facing in other people. And some people have been trained since elementary school to run for student counseling. So they've been prepping every day to have a platform and honestly to engage you, but not engage you and be well good at, they probably make you think that they heard that they listen to you. Well, do you know they heard shit? So you got to come up with communication tactics and skills to make sure that the people you want to talk to will listen. They'll sit down with you. They'll take you seriously. They're not obligated. You're honestly not even obligated to take up agendas in life. You go, I mean, because you have free will. You can right. just live to die. But if you live to live in this sort of world, you know, a lot of things operate the same because we live in a standardized, like we got the international metric system. Right. We live in a standardized world. You know what I'm saying? And, and ever since the advent of globalism and offshoring, you know what I'm saying? It's like your level of sophistication does have to rise, does have to level up just to operate 
at a at a comfortable level, I would say, because ultimately in the past, people were paying you to stay ignorant. They just want you to be part of the assembly line. Today, people want to pay you to be smarter than them because they want the edge they can't think of. That's what venture capital is about. That's where the big money goes. And so, you know, even in, in light of this 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 political this thca debate because it really is like some people think thc is like thca is fake cannabis which creates like a whole nother schema which creates a whole nother system of thinking in real life like if like these things really have to be addressed if 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 we want to close gaps in the market you know we we literally got to have the conversation and ask the person to regurgitate that THCA is cannabis, THCA is regularly occurring, and that it is all real. Yeah. It it's is not fake. It's interesting to hear people like I just had a cannabis industry lawyer, Tom Howard, on the show. Um, and he acknowledged exactly that. Even Charlie Bactel acknowledged uh, from Cresco Labs that they are truly identical products, is what he said, unquote. Um, and I think the best way to explain it to people, the the difference between THCA and THC, it's like, because some people are like, when did THCA even become a part of the problem? I've only ever right, heard right, of right, THC, exactly. right? And yes. it's like, let me put it this way. If I, I learned the hard way that you have to activate your cannabis when you're making edibles, what are you, so what you're doing when you're activating cannabis is you're taking the, the cannabis flower or concentrate, whatever you may be using, uh, which is largely THCA, and you're decarboxylating it, you're converting it to THC, and you're binding it with whatever medium THC you're using. Delta 9. Right. Specifically. Bingo. And uh, Organic chemistry. Yeah. Combustion. I was just about to say, too, when we're smoking, like, that's what's happening. Um, mm -hmm. The heat. Or if you're vaping, if you vape cannabis, it's it's right. decarboxylating it and converting that THCA to, like you say, delta nine THC. So, um, so again, people in the industry have acknowledged this. It's it's like for a while there, it was like a debate, like what is this? Is this synthetic? No, it's so. Um, one of the things though that I think people talk about, and I really want to dissect this before we go. Because I think it's important. It's an important part of this conversation. Um, people, again, it was one of the first things we talked about actually regarding this conversation. So I don't feel we fully addressed it. And I think it's important we do like the the testing side of it. And I, you kind of actually did address it earlier by saying that like, look, up until now, like we, you basically said, and I'm going to use my own words. Has cannabis ever been tested before now? And I, look, I want to be clear, we're, and this is the nuance I want to address. I'm not saying that just because we haven't tested something until now that we shouldn't start doing it. But let's not pretend that what we have is perfect either. There's a, there's a lot of layers to this conversation, right? So it's like um, 
I just want to plug my old podcast, episode 182 of the Chillinoy podcast. It features Tom Shuba and Stephanie Zimmerman from the Chicago Sun-Times. You can also just look up the article. Um, we'll throw all these links in the podcast description um, so that you can look up the the episode. Or if you just want to, if you don't want to hear another episode of mine, you can look up the articles themselves that Tom and Stephanie wrote um, and uh, just read about it yourself. But they did an investigation, the Chicago Sun-Times, into Illinois' you know, legal weed, what's in it. So they went into a dispensary, bought it, and then tested it. And eight, I think it's like seven of the 10 pre-rolls or something like that all failed testing, which begged the question, why are they on the, the shelves, right? If they supposedly already had passed testing. Um, so, you know, that's just one story that's happened in Illinois, but you hear all over the nation about THC inflation, um, right? What's up? Your question is why you should come to smoke responsibly social because oh, yeah. that's exactly what we'd be talking about with people who who can share through their operations how that reality came about mm-hmm. because you said a lot in just very few words oh, to yeah. to question how the product with the testing label got on the shelf requires someone to understand the process of testing how do you test a a grow and then what is the legal definition of labeling right and bada boom bada bing it all makes sense yeah and then when we understand just loopholes you know i'm saying going even back to the thca if we don't even know how long we've only been consuming mostly thca for Right. That's what made me think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like ultimately, you know, we're just getting upset by, by new awareness. You get what I'm saying? But like, and and that can have an effect. I'm sorry. Someone's calling me. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yep. Uh, And that can, because we, we are mental as well as material, as well as emotional. So anything can influence our in our experience of life, you know? And so from environment to thought to, we all know this, like we all live every day. So like, just keep that in mind in everything in life. Don't don't fall asleep, okay? Don't let X make you feel like you can't be woke because even that is also related to what we're talking about. Imagine like what is happening right now where like there's a fad of like pairing like social popularity with like discouraging something that is actually beneficial for you. Right. People openly feel indignified to make fun of the sense of woke as a general thing, but also be claiming to be exercising wokeness simultaneously. And that is possible says certain branches of philosophy and free will, you know, how far do you express your free will without intruding on another's? And how much do you let one person express their free will without intruding on yours? You know, like these are very real things. And honestly, that is why laws came up. If you go back to water rights, literally in the Roman civilization, aqueducts, 
farmers, water running from A to B, whose rights are there to this water? Mm -hmm. Everybody got a feeling. Everybody got a perspective. If you got land legally. I like this meme. Wait, it's all THCA? Yes, 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 exactly. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah. And so, you know, we can't, new knowledge sometimes can just be like, oh my God, I can't recover from it. But once we get it, you know, once we've integrated, synthesized, just like if you're an athlete, you, you don't stop. You literally keep playing the game. You don't stop when you learn a new skill. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to say, somebody commented, uh, I like to, you know, get feedback and definitely have my ideas i like to to be challenged in a respectful way obviously there's some people that are just like listen fuck stick this is what i have to now i'm joking but you know uh some, <laughs> no, people, some people can be that way yeah exactly no seriously <laughs> real but like but this person uh basically said like you know we didn't know that asbestos was a thing until like x year so like are you really gonna knock testing because i was basically saying that cannabis has been sold in mass it's been trafficked in mass, unregulated for years. That's how I and everybody else I know has acquired their cannabis is via whoever, you know, traffics it in mass, unregulated. And and frankly, the argument ha- had always been, hey, nobody's ever died from this stuff. Let's make it legal. And that all happened again, unregulated. And so now I want to be clear because they were just they were saying, like, well, just because it wasn't regulated doesn't mean something bad can't happen. Touche. I agree. But here's my point. And the reason I brought up that Chicago Sun-Times article is that testing is okay. I welcome testing. I mean, it's great. It's cool to know all these things. And in fact, when I first got my medical card and all this access, I was so excited to learn about all the different cannabinoids that were found as a result of this testing, right? I'm just saying that it's not a perfect system right now and that it could be really be improved as evidenced by the stories that you see nationwide about THC inflation and you know the fact that frankly it seems most cultivators remediate their product which I'm not saying I'm not even saying there's any um health ramifications there I'm just saying that why not label that if it's not a problem why not label it right um fundamentally and common sense that all makes sense the big the big um weight in the room though is capitalism (laughs) and profit motive and industrialization and these are not uncommon problems like when when we look at all industries that are industrialized, unfortunately, there is a problem very similar to what is happening in cannabis because it just happens like that. Yeah. You, so and you so brought most, up, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So, and so with the um with with the testing, uh, with the nationwide situation, earlier we were discussing the mortgage and the, the insurance industry, all things that are standardized industry trucking industry, standardization, right? But it comes with regulation. As we have discussed with the the Delta 8, and honestly, I feel so inspired by that because now I actually feel like the pathway to like cannabis just like being widely accessible is just making hemp like 
you know, 100% Delta nine. And then it's like, okay, you can grow to the wazoo, keep the law, spend less money. And you know what I mean? Just like teeter the, the TH, the TH, uh, the Delta nine profile on the book, you know what I mean? And then just everybody lobby to push the points up. I mean, how many gambling systems already work like that? It's a bunch of gangsters in a room. So, you know what I mean? It'd be very simple. I think a lot more simple than some other strategies uh, that would decriminalize or lessen the penalties for possessing, dealing, cultivating hemp. <laughs> right. You know what I'm it like seems like you say, it seems like the answer is here. And I've been trying to make that point as well. Like there was a note I took that the, that was it was a comment that somebody in our government recently made, and they basically were talking about how uh, local law enforcement is apparently hesitant to do anything with people that are found with with hemp. Like they're like, well, I, I don't know. Yeah. They say it's hemp, and I say to that, I'm like, isn't that a good thing? Like exactly. Like but police need to have the capacity to focus on things that actually matter. And for the first time you're able to say, well, officer, this thing says THCA on it. So you do not have any jurisdiction over this. And it's crazy because before then you couldn't just say, well, this sticker on here, literally, it's just, it's just a sticker. They kind of just have to trust my word. They can't do a roadside test of it to like. (laughs) Not yet. But you know, the testing thing is important because, you know, Joseph Friedman, We'll definitely talk about testing and it will be some fundamental discussions because this is another thing about knowledge, right? This is another knowledge discussion. In some parts, we couldn't test what we we didn't know was even out there. You know what I mean? Like we couldn't get to the moons. We couldn't see the stars without the right calibration, magnification, mathematics and and equations to actually reveal those things to us. They did not become there because we knew they were there right they existed prior to the knowledge and so that is in part some of what's happening here while simultaneously what we know is that for several years cannabis has already been utilized and profiled by people with our same type of brain and our same capabilities in terms of just like observing effect like a lot of our knowledge is classical do you get what I'm saying? And so we're basically like in a museum where they got the ropes off <laughs> with the velvet ropes. And they say, oh, you can peek over, but like you can't go in there. And so ultimately you, you can only assume what might be in that room and they can tell you anything is or is not in the room. Another thing is that the University of Mississippi, I believe, has had a cultivating license for either Mississippi or Alabama. Yeah. A, a school in the South has had a cultivation and testing license for cannabis for several years. Hey, Southern hospitality is great, but I would be a fool to think that them Southern boys was not down there growing some good shit. You get what I'm saying? I, it would just be a fool of me just not to think that somebody had the capacity to make some dank in the South. You get what I'm saying? And then to have a very well-funded school system in a government, which ultimately has a central intelligence agency that has capabilities decades advanced of consumer markets. And that's another thing that we're engaging in. 
we're engaging society in this conversation. If we're not ready for that discussion on paying fines to like play the game with the business models like Uber and them, because that was a very empowered group of people or persons that ultimately came together and invested enough risk to change the law, just like Martin Luther King, different ways, different motives. But like if, when, when you transpose them, when you put them side by side, they, they look the same and they sound the same because again, there's standardizations and processes in this world. And if we don't get that in this industry, then, you know, a lot of this is just conversation. You get what I'm saying? Be and, and it's just like thought exercise. You get what I'm saying? Because we literally are so advanced. And this is so simple. You get what I mean? And when you just understand how civilization came to be, like how you can drive a Tesla versus uh, build your dreams in the United States, you get what I'm saying? or how you can buy ethanol with a certain concentration versus another, or what organic food is versus is not, like that sticker on your THCA. When you have not wrapped our experience in that yet, it means that you have not gone far enough, unfortunately, because people are paying fines every day to play the game, literally. Yeah. And some people don't even have to pay the fines. Look at look at everything that's happening now with our president. Look at everything that's happened around the Jeff Epstein. Look at everything that's happened around the situation over in Gaza. Like mass atrocities. Even think about the forever chemicals. How long they actually knew that the chemicals weren't breaking down. And they just started paying in, in, in our lifetime. Right. You know what I mean? Asbestos, you know what I mean? Again, information asymmetry. Sometimes they burn the books. Yeah. And one of the points you brought up that I'm, I appreciate you brought up, that once again, folks, January 20th, the the event. Um, thank you, by the way, if you're still listening, you know, uh, yeah, that's what I love so about. <laughs> well, I think my fans, they're a fan of the long form conversation. So oh. that's what that's what I love doing. So uh, but like you say, that that's what you just brought up with Joseph Friedman is exactly what I was trying to say. I'm not saying that testing isn't cool or good or welcome, but because I'm all I'm saying is it could be improved. But and also to your point it could bring to light things we've never even knew about. And I think that's, that's what will, that's why I welcome it. That's why I think it's cool. And that's why I want it to be better. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. so, um, so I feel that we pretty well addressed that point. And I just wanted to address that. Cause I feel like that's the, the back. It's like the undertone of this entire debate. It started off with, if you couldn't tell from that satirical video, uh, these kids that apparently purchased some edibles and, you know, overdosed. Uh, it was, it wasn't an overdose in the sense of like toxic overdose. It was an overdose as, as in they took too much and, you know, that shouldn't happen um, for sure. Uh, but what was interesting was all of the things that were talked about with regard to that story was, Hey, these products are untested. Hey, these products are sold potentially to, you know, underage ch children. And so hemp farmers, from what I understand, 
with Representative LaShawn Ford came forward with a bill that said, hey, test us. Hey, make us require age, you know, 21 plus, although most of us do that already, some of them said, uh, from what I heard when it came out. They said tax us even. You can tax us at the same rate, uh, but you got to let us participate. And then all of a sudden it became a conversation about market share and, hey, we have to keep the licenses limited. If you give all these hemp farmers licenses, then you're directly challenging the foundation of the CRTA, which is to limit licenses and to keep you know, market share at a level that some of these operators feel is guaranteed to them. Um, but anyway, we were I, discussing free markets before we press record. Yeah, we were. Yeah. And, and the principal issue of the law's influence on this whole industry. I mean, it's literally a problem created out of law. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is that we 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 have to use the same mechanism that created the problem to resolve the problem, which creates a lot of difficulties because there's so much invested in the current state Correct. of things. And so, you know, getting people to see themselves is hard. Getting people to see reality is hard. Like some people really practice not doing that, like literally. And to think that's not a fact is like, I'm sorry, just go see the world a little bit more. Go meet more people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So these are real things that we have to overcome now because unfortunately at some point in time along the road, you know, someone someone did a checkmate in this industry. And to connect back with the testing, the testing is important. And it can also lead to another thing in terms of just information overload. Even with this conversation, even with all the things that I say, you know, with communication, you know, information overload is really a possibility, especially in learning. Like one thing that I love about like being an adult and like having gone through the whole realm of like performative learning to being just my own learning is that I can go at my own pace. I can read the same line a thousand times. I can listen to the same sentence. I can look at the same work. No one's pushing me to learn at a rate beyond like what I know I need to process the lesson. You know what I mean? And I would believe that, you know, if you woke up today with like any ounce of dignity that you feel like you could do that for yourself. And you know what I mean? Like there's libraries, fortunately, everywhere in America, usually, you know what I mean? With internet access, with books on the shelves, you know what I mean? Just start with what you got in the mind that's helped you survive. And then, you know, what I mean, the big crazy thing about the education system as we we learned it and the influence that it has on us is that it does often make us look for val validation from, quote unquote, people that seem smarter than us because of whatever, whatever they got around them. You know, what I mean, but we got to hopefully when you were in school or you had a social opportunity to engage with people in mass and just realize no matter where people come from, human is a human. Now the big problem is like, we're really about to get to this whole Android period of living where like we've already gone past the um, creepy Valley of development. Yeah, bro. Like, Apple vision pro drops next month. 
That's when the Matrix starts. Apple Vision Pro. Have you seen that where they got the goggles on and it just looks like crazy? I bro, I want to get one. It's it's too expensive right now though. It's like Yeah, they look like uh, ski glasses. But you know already like the iPad came out and it was like a thick motherfucker and it was bulky and everything and then like later they introduced a slimmer one so you got to imagine that this is going to get like to just be like glasses or something like that maybe. yeah this is about to be crazy yeah because honestly one simple thing i think it eliminates the need for that most people don't think about is like tvs and computer computer monitors and stuff exactly. like that because you can put screens anywhere in your room virtual screens but then there's just so many other things, you know, like have you, and think uh, about how that eliminates an industry because now you just have two screens or one screen, however it works on your face. And now you don't need any screens in your house anymore, except for maybe your phone, because you're going to, you're going to beam everything basically up onto your wall you're gonna exactly. watch the game. You're going to beam it up. You're going to work. You're going to beam up a few different monitors. You can be typing and, you know, have your Zoom call on one or whatever. And just that's crazy because that just destroyed not only the TV industry potentially, but the computer monitor industry. And, and it's going to be all right. I want to be clear. I always like to use this analogy. Like when the light bulb came out, the people that used to light the candles at night, you know, in the Times Square or whatever, uh, the town square, I mean to say. Uh, they were like, God damn it, these light bulbs, they're taking us out of a job because now people can just flick a switch mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, but new jobs came up, like maintaining those light bulbs, switching, you know, the wiring, all that shit. You know? Creative destruction. Yeah. And also, all of I did not see these goggles, but I was privy of the book The Inevitable by Kevin Kelly. Are you familiar with this book? Mm -mm. Okay. So it's funny that you said everything that you just said, because this book was written in 2017 and it's literally titled The Inevitable. And in this book, he literally walks through like the digital, like current situation and how that will turn into the future that you were discussing. And I even started to see it more when I went to CVS and I realized like they had those screens that like you walk up to and it tells you what's inside of the um, refrigerator. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, oh, my goodness. What if my Apple tag just told that screen that Blake is standing in front of it? And then it just like told it, it just like personalized the whole selection for me. And that's like basically what this inevitable is saying is happening. That's it. Oh, yeah, they just made it happen. Oh, yeah, they made it happen. Of course, they read this book. Like, I'm certain Kevin Kelly probably been to apple you know what i mean 10 12 times and probably had a residency yeah just kinda... it is because it, it's really influential man and i mean just think about the influence of sci-fi like think about star wars think about all these things man um you know what i mean creativity art yeah versus reality sometimes they imitate one another. Sometimes one is leading the other. You get what I'm saying? The imagination. Yeah. So, yeah, I think those are going to be slick as fuck. They'll probably turn into contact lenses to be 100. And then you won't even know that someone is rocking that. And they'll just be walking through the world. That's you what know I'm what saying. I mean? Just in their own thing.
Could you imagine doing mushrooms and like seeing this? Like <laughs> in the yeah. right environment, yes. But in the wrong environment, that would be absolutely insane. It'd be like <laughs> I would just be trying to hold it all together while <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. This is gonna be wild. Life's about and to get you, crazy. And you know, the the other interesting thing with the testing is that in all this conversation that we've been having, it almost would kind of start suggesting that someone clearly already knew the THCA thing by the pricing oh, strategy. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of lawyers in the industry for real, for real. So, you know, to think that the pricing got tacked to some arbitrary measure, you get what I'm saying? When there was definitely lawyers in the room, you mm. get what I mean? When we talk about representation, even just think about what that means for you, right? If you take it from, you know, the great compromise, what was that about? You know what I mean? If you take it from the civil rights, if you take it from the LGBT movement, if you take it from like immigration movement, feminist, whatever that means, it mean it doesn't mean that the room wasn't already popping. It meant that the room actually existed but you did not see yourself there in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. And so representation is about having space in the room. Smoke responsibly social. Fortunately, we're bringing out the people who will be sitting in the room for oh, real, yeah. for real. And so, you know, just even through that engagement, if you're looking for a way to influence this world, it's that easy. It's $7. It's that okay. Cannabis. You get what I'm saying? It's a beautiful setup. It already, it's already so much foundation has been built. And what's so crazy through this conversation, I literally see it now. I'm not even lying, bro. Because it is that small. Just like they define every other commodity, it literally is that. That is how all the markets run. What is the purity of a gold bar? Yeah. It is what the book says. If it's on the book, it's real. If it ain't on the book, you're not in there right that's a fact yeah that was a fucking master uh master reference to smoke smoke so smoke response good damn it i'm high and i'm fucking it up now you you fucking smoke did it responsibly good responsibly social sweet it's what oh, you yeah. it's what you do when you stick into yourself usually oh yeah if you wondered why i flashed this up earlier it's because you brought up uh corporations uh like you know like Sometimes they'll just get fined and they determine, well, the fine is going to be just fine, you know. And I remember growing up hearing about this, and it's actually interesting because it's in 2014, so maybe you remember this too. Uh, just look into it, folks. GM apparently knew that their ignition switch was going to cause issues, um, but like did some determination that, you know, in order to switch it all, it cost money. And they weighed the odds of like, we're going to switch it all or are we just going to take a lawsuit? And they're like, ah, it'll just cost less to take a lawsuit. <laughs> so at real scale, that is literally what capitalism is about. And that is why people get lost in it. And so like, you know, I, I feel for the person who has to make that decision forever. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they know what they're doing. Again, the world is ran by smart people, man. Like, you know, to some degree, we're all as smart as we want to be. I think we would all attest to that. You know what I'm saying? And so, 
as soon as somebody want to play stupid with you, we can all turn it on. And don't discount that for nobody. Even you go to Appalachia, if you think that's where fools are, they're as smart as everybody else. Don't be, again, don't judge the book by its cover. Listen to the substance. Perceive the vibration and the wave and what's happening. And, and rely on what's ha helped you survive for so long. And if you know that you haven't survived to your best ability, then reshape and refine that because that's going to help you see everything else more clear. And sometimes that's the struggle. Maybe we aren't confident in our ability to survive and comprehend reality. Maybe somebody told us that wasn't our, our strong suit and we live in that, but that's a lie. That's a lie. You got the same brain. It might take you whatever com comparatively, but in your own life, you got your own time. And so do what you got to to extend that to your best ability. And in terms of this whole like, game with the cannabis like we're really we're investing so much in this situation where there are so greater issues in the world that you get what i'm saying that if we're so stuck up on cannabis and this is what made me passionate just in my lifetime because i felt like it was like a low-hanging branch in terms of like just clearly seeing how we can all just be like wired up and misled for no reason at all you get what I'm saying? Because even if we're afraid of kids, like doctor kids consuming cannabis, doctors will tell you that some kids need to consume cannabis. So if we're afraid of kids consuming cannabis, that is not the right perspective to have. Yeah. And you I get mean, what I, I'm saying? Right. And I don't think, I mean, I don't know, whatever. If kids need, if kids need cannabis, then by God, they should have cannabis. In fact, there's a law now in illinois that says i think it's like ashley's law or something where where a kid can be administered cannabis at school um but uh what i was just gonna say is that you know again with the whole cannabis thing it's just funny my my cousin is in healthcare and he said that like when kids do experience a cannabis overdose that's one of his favorite cases to deal with because like any other overdose like it's serious business and they have to be bedside the entire time like if it's a cannabis overdose they give the kid a popsicle and turn on some cartoons if mm. they're awake if they're not you generally they're just fucking asleep and so they're the easiest patients to deal with and i'm not saying like but let's just be real here folks you know when they bring up kids it's like look there are far more kids actually the illinois hemp growers association came on the show and and pointed out i i don't know where to look up these numbers so i'm bringing up that they pointed it out so that folks can do their own research but apparently there are Far more kids going to the emergency room for like energy drinks, for example, caffeine overdoses. Yeah, uh, that you, and that's when you fucking your heart's thumping out of your yeah. chest. So which could be a really serious health issue. It gives you wings. Hmm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It, you know, caffeine is a drug. That's what's the irony in being able to go buy so much coffee. It literally right. is psychoactive. Oh, it yeah, literally man. is psychoactive. That's the whole magic, right? It gets you going. And so the fact that you can consume this in abundance, you know what I'm saying? What With your own decision, you know what I mean? How wild, how wild. Right. But you know what I mean? That That's this sort of reality that we live in where we compartmentalize our understanding sometimes. And, and, and ultimately that's not a problem when like we're dealing with a big thing because we got to, we got to chunk it. We got to make it digestible for us. You get what I'm saying? But once we do that, again, integration synthesis, that's the next part of it. You know what I mean? Reiteration, 
You know what I mean? And these are not uncommon concepts like the scientific method of production was written years ago. You get what I'm saying? And so these ideologies and just ways of seeing the world are not new. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, you know, uh, one thing that I want to bring up with this um, consumption thing and why it is <clears throat> to be discussing the overdose and like the limits and the testing from like uh, something I pointed out earlier with Joseph Friedman and him bringing up like testing is that one point in time he did a test on like administering like, and this is what he told me, 90 milligrams of, of THC over like 90 days. And he said from his testing they of Delta 9, it indicated that people cannot take on that much Delta nine. Like the body can't really take that much Delta nine as what people think you get what I'm saying. So that brings up a whole thing of just like, you know, prior to um, COVID, I would say there was a mass movement towards conscious consumerism. Like literally in college, I couldn't turn around and not hear about this from the smartest people. You get what I'm saying? Right. This area is an extension of conscious consumerism. And we got a lot of the weapons to analyze through our same analytical skills we use for everything else. It's just like sitting down in class and, you know, they just changed the words in the problem. But the fundamental problem is still the same, you know, and it's like you got to just be able to identify that because it can be lost in it. You get what I'm saying? But oh, the yeah. testing, I think it's important. Be, once I found out that that from Joseph, like, you know, just the capacity of us to even digest the Delta 9, that's important to me because it's like, why would I be out here trying to maximize that on any given one day if ultimately that's really not possible? And I only bring that up because there's products that are marketed as being by themselves a third of that, half of that, all of that per do dosage. So then it's like if if my buying decision has been driven by my not my lack of knowledge, I mean it just sounds like I need to just re relook at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and be like, yo, okay. If I know the testing isn't right, and you know the Chicago did this. Um, testing and they found out that most of it really didn't um, pass the test. And then I look into it and I find out how they can test like the top, the mid and the bottom. They right. can average it out and put it on there. And then I also can just look at the label and realize the numbers don't add up. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, okay, now go look at a little bit of organic chemistry real quick. Actually go to bard.google or chat GPT and say, Hey, explain like decarbolization, like I'm a third grader and tell me what that is. And with that objective information, just feel like, okay, are you getting a good deal or is somebody else getting a better deal on you? And are those same people telling you that they're for you or what? Because this is related to what you're talking about with the whole like regulating. I don't, I don't mean to say this, look, these are my own ideas in the moment while talking to Cole. These are not the ideas of... Illinois Normal, OK Cannabis, any of my partners, any of my relationships. This is just me thinking. Yeah. Part of the reason why some people would be open to more regulation is because they can afford it. 
Right. The other part of this conversation is about accessibility, really. Right. Because, again, if, if the conversation is decriminalization, you know, every move requires the same exact linear process. We can't move necessary logarithmic yet unless we start moving that Delta 9 definition. We can go a half up and boom, everything changes a little bit, you know, but that's a whole nother thing. As of right now, it's a linear process, no matter what decision you make. You get what I'm saying? So then every decision you make, you got to calculate. I got to go through all those steps. And then to move from that state to the next state, I got to go through all those steps again. Right. How long will it take me to run through that? (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Straight up, though, man. Well, so. Go ahead. So, you know, in light of just this this conversation of regulation, you know, a lot of people that I know, like, they don't necessarily want to have to go to the dispensary to get cannabis, man. Right. And, right. you know, you and I sitting here talking about cheaper cannabis, honestly, there's a whole other part to that that I want to talk about because in reality, the cannabis is going to get cheaper. Actually, it is getting cheaper. I used to go to the dispensary $96 for a fucking eight. Okay. It is getting cheaper. But because of things like the lack of standard testing, all of that, that's not a guarantee that cannabis is going to get better. It doesn't even guarantee that we will know what better cannabis is. So then we are actually still really in the same position as we are now, no matter how cheap the cannabis gets. The only true option here is to get fully informed on the current condition because, again, the lawyers and the gangsters are already in the room. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And every day they already have market share. Every day they already have control. And as long as, like, you are disenfranchised, you are on the sideline, all you're doing is talking to your friends, and you actually aren't even, like, figuring out that hemp and marijuana are the same thing. Like, bro, sis, cuz, them, they, yo, come on, how long? Right. And I don't mean you got to do it this year, but I'm saying, like, we got to progress. That's a value. Yeah. Being able to distinguish what is good and bad is liberty, is independence. Because if it's not you being able to say that, you don't have those things. If someone else is telling you, well, this is good cannabis. But again, you don't have a way to really check that. Right. You 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 have no idea, even even with that promise. And yes, the trust factor is really good and important in society but clearly that's not enough because democracy is falling apart at this current time and it's all just built off of again the social contract that is that is what got us to this day as the united states of america and so even with our dollar you know bitcoin think about all the money that's gone into bitcoin versus the u.s dollar it is all built on trust that is a literal empirical statement of shifting values you get what i'm saying and so we got to be privy because 
the opportunity to actually influence this conversation in terms of what is good cannabis, that's the opportunity that is minimizing. Just think of Monsanto. Just think about that is real industrialization. Think about a cigarette. You get what I'm saying? Industrialization means a lot of the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, Blake, uh, this won't be the last time we chat. I really had a lot of fun with you today. Did you have fun this evening? Yeah, this was very interesting. Man. I, hope, I feel like I actually got into the conversation. I hope there is value in it. I hope that people found as much value in this conversation as I did. That's what I always like to say. And I found a lot of value in this conversation. So um, I'd like to think they will, you know, because uh, we covered what I feel are very important topics for the time, but not only for now, but for history. Like it's important that we discuss these ideas for the record. You know what I mean? I agree. And uh, for, so, yeah. Well, dude, um, anything before we go uh, that, that you wanted to say on, on the way out? Uh, again, I want to thank you for your time and thank you for your, I wanted to thank you for your support. You've always been really supportive of me. Um, and I was glad that we could connect as quickly as we did. So thank you. Likewise, brother. Um, I really appreciate it. And I'm now realizing that we have uh, the whole blue and gold going on. And that's a great uh, synergy in my life. So I feel like this is definitely good. Um, I really try to be open and just like free with this conversation. Um, again, if, if we're being specific and just like dressing things one on one and moving it forward, um, you know, I mean, I hope individuals realize that that is a possibility that I can do. I can address things like as they are, go granular, look at it generally, have some empathy, have reason, but ultimately say what's the the moving forward aspect, because that is important to my brand. That's important to my work and building a, a community. I want people to think of me as someone who possesses just that, that ability to be looking at the information, digesting it, synthesizing it, comprehending it, and then being helping us access that together. You go, I mean, like we're having this conversation together, you know what I mean? As opposed to not engaging at all. Um, and, and I hope you see my work as doing that. Like people have felt, um, you know, some type of way with the work I've done, even down to this hemp thing. That's why I feel so personal about it. Because when I had a hemp dispensary on Smoke Responsibly Social, where we talked about THCA, there was someone from the marijuana industry who basically tried to say, oh, like, this isn't even the same. And I was just kind of like, man, like, it's so weird that your whole brand is about cannabis, but you don't see that hemp and marijuana are literally the same thing. And part of my knowledge is informed by I have a I have a trademark for Daily Roller and international class 034, which is tobacco alternatives. And by going through that process, I put Delta 9 on my registration for the trademark. And so I got to go through that process of even figuring out how are they looking at it on that side point. And so, you know, I'm not just saying this like willy nilly. I hope that even in the, the level of conversation that we talked about, that people can see that contextually, you know, we talked about the allegory. We talked about the inevitable, you know, we talked about the 
great compromise, you know, just all these fundamental capitalism and creative destruction, like you were talking about with the lights and the lamps, like we, that is it. You get what I'm saying? And so I just hope more than anything, people see that because that's who I am when I'm an introvert. I'm just thinking about these things. I'm reading about these things. I'm studying about these things. Um, And then when I come out and I package it, uh, whether it's through my book, The Time of Alexander, um, whether it's through Smoke Responsibly Social, Daily Roller, Money Talks Theory, One Theory, any of my work, it's because I feel like I've crystallized it enough to have dialogue around it or interject like a, a perspective. Um, and so um, that should be consistent, uh, critical thinking, creative thinking. And then in terms of just overall, just a lot of gratitude to individuals like yourself, for real, uh, OK Cannabis, um, Lexi, John, Scott, um, Mariah, honestly, my fam, like in terms of just like business and support, because, you know, making a shirt, a hat that says not a stoner, making a cool logo that says daily roller that you want to wear, a shirt that says highly productive, all that stuff is like awesome. But ultimately, this is the conversation, because like when I was being prescribed methamphetamines versus cannabis, And there's already research that says long-term use of methamphetamine is not good for me. You get what I'm saying? But I could, I don't, I don't have to smoke this cannabis. I can literally just make a tea. I could eat it in the edible, rub it on. And that's not new knowledge. The Chinese were giving this to their people for so long for lots of things. Other cultures were doing that. So I can't help but to just feel like, if I stay at any level that does not help this conversation, this level of conversation happen, then I have not really put my best self into the cannabis industry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, I just want to say you, uh, you have a way with words. So, uh, you should start <laughs> I don't a know, like, do I make sense? <laughs> I think you do. I think you do. I was picking up what you were putting down. So, well, appreciate dude, you. Yeah, no, I appreciate cool. you. And uh please keep in touch and folks check out that event on January 20th. Check out the social media handles in the uh episode description. And uh we'll see you in the next episode, folks. You take care. Take care, smoke responsibly. Hell yeah. See ya.